Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. because I wanted to pull it up. I know one of the very first scriptures that I'm going to read. Almost the entire focus of my message comes from the very first like five verses of, of, of Romans chapter 9. And uh, the rest is there. But I, while I was studying this, I was reading and one of the commentators said many people skip over Romans 9 and 11. And I was like, well, why is that? Like, why do people skip over Romans 9 and 11? And, and he was saying that, in a way, it's kind of hard to understand because he was talking to, um, he was talking about his people, the Israelites. And the very first five scriptures, I don't know how you could skip this over, but man, it just smacked me in the face in two different ways. So I'm excited to share that with you. But we just got done singing that song, um, Show Us Your Glory. And... In the very first couple scriptures here, it opens up. And I'm just going to go ahead and read those before I get started. We're going to read verses 1 through 5. It says, I speak truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience testifies to me through the Holy Spirit that, I'm, that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenant, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. The ancestors are theirs, and from them, by physical descent, came the Christ, who is God over all. Praise forever. Amen. That's the very first five scriptures of Romans chapter 9. And I, when the commentator said that this is many people skip over chapters 9 through 11, I was like, this, how can you skip over at least those five scriptures? Like, there's some good stuff right there. But one of the things that I had found, and it hit me today, was that word glory. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenant, the giving of the law, the temple service, and the promises. I was like, man, something about that glory word, I'm sure. And as we were singing that, because there is something about God's glory, and I want to see it. And the word there, the the... The Greek word is doxa, and it's spelled D-O-X-A. This isn't in my notes. This is just like, you know, freehand. Um, and one of the things it's referred to is splendor, brightness of the moon, the moon, sun, and stars, magnificent, excellence, preeminence, dignity, grace, majesty, a thing belonging to God. That's what this word means. In, 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 the, in the original Greek word, that's what they were, they were owed. Was that this is what they had, this is what they were in, uh, adopted into. This is what they had inherited. And he was like, I, if I could just be cut off so that they could experience the presence of God. And I started thinking about this this morning. If I, what, would I be willing to give up myself? In these very first five scriptures, they are a call to action for the church. Paul was saying, I am willing to be cut off from the grace of God so that my brothers and sisters could be saved. If it would mean that they would get the message of Jesus Christ, I would be willing to sacrifice that for myself. And it just hits me, the glory. That's what they had longed for. 
And we sometimes take it for granted so much, the glory and God's presence. When we come in and we begin to worship him and the presence of God begins to fill this place. It's so powerful. It's so amazing. I love it. I can't skip that part. I've got to worship him. And I feel like those that skip 9 through 11 miss out on a really powerful message in just those first five scriptures. There's more. But in those first five scriptures, it's a call for the church to recognize that we have got to strive to reach those that are lost. Strive to reach those that are hurting. Strive to reach those that are, that are not on their way to heaven. The, the sad thing is, is it's true. There's heaven and there's hell and nobody likes that message. But I can't not tell you that, that, that heaven and hell are real places and that there's a war for your soul. But, but God is waging a war on your behalf. He's already gone before. He loves you. He cares about you. And the glory of his presence, you can still experience it today. It's life-changing. So that was just the, all the free stuff out of that. I'm going to skip like the first part of my message and we'll just like continue on there. Like I had other things, but man, that just hit me while we were singing that song. I'm just like the glory of the Lord. I want it so bad. I want his presence in my life. I, I cannot be satisfied with the story of his presence. I can't be satisfied of reading about his presence. I have got to experience it for myself. So. Verse 2 there brings several thoughts to my mind. Initially, when I was listening to it, I could listen to it a bunch because Paul's like, I, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. And I'm like, oh, I felt that, Paul. Like I, For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. You know what? I have thought that it would be better that I would just be cut off. People would be better off without me if I was just cut off, if I was not here. And I'm reading this, what Paul said, and obviously I read it wrong the first time. Because he was saying it would be better, I would be willing to be cut off if my brothers and sisters could be saved. They are Israelites, and to them belong the adoption, the glory, the covenants, and the giving of the law of temple. He was grieved in his spirit because those that... That birthed the Messiah missed the Messiah. Like, could you imagine that? Your lineage, all this, this, this was your heritage. This was it. And, and, and bam, you miss what it was. Oh, good song. <laughs> but in Romans chapter 8, it said that, I missed it. I didn't write it down, that the spirit of adoption in Romans chapter 8 that was talked about last week, when it was talking about that, we are called to be first-generation Christians, not one that's lived a generation from their family, you know, not, not this, but to be first-generation, to have an experience. And as we are adopted in, we have a heritage of a firstborn son. The very firstborn. So when you go back to when we talk about uh, uh, Esau and Jacob, Esau being the firstborn, but Jacob was the one who carried the promise. You are one that gets to carry the promise. It goes on to say, and Paul quotes an Old Testament scripture that says that, that, that we, he, the people who are not loved are now loved. And could you imagine that? Like he was, Paul was writing this and saying, I wish my brothers and sisters could get the message of Christ. I wish that they could see it. How many people do we know that are not going to make it to heaven? And maybe in your mind you've justified it and said, you know what? They're going to make it. But the reality is there is a way to heaven. Narrow is the way and few that be there that find it. You got to be a light shining and saying, hey, this is the way to God. You need Jesus Christ in your life. Don't justify it out of their life. Don't do that. Paul was grieved that his brothers and sisters weren't making it. Are we grieved today for a lost and dying world? How about forget the world? How about just our county? How about just your neighborhood, the block you live on? 
God is calling us to do something more. He's reaching for his church, his people, to shine a light in a dark world. In this scripture, Paul is echoing Ezekiel 33, 11. It says, tell them as I live. This is the declaration of the Lord. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that the wicked person should turn from his way and live. Repent, repent of your evil ways. You, why will you die, house of Israel? He was calling out. God in Ezekiel was calling out to his people. Repent, repent. Turn from your way. This has been the message throughout the Bible. Repent, repent, repent. If you are ever to pick up anything in the word of God, you should see that we do have to own up to what we were, that we do have to repent, that we do have to turn from our wicked ways and follow Christ to pursue after him. Don't let anyone ever tell you that there's another way. Don't ever let anyone tell you that, that you don't have to repent. That is wrong. It's a lie from the pit and the devil. He is to steal, kill, and destroy. So what does he want to do? Cost people to fall away. God is calling a church. God is calling a people. And he has not made a mistake in what he has said. He's not made a mistake in the way that he's called you. He's not made a mistake with your life. He, he didn't mess up the way he made you. He made you with a purpose. In verse 6 it says, Now it is not as though the word of God has failed, because not all who are descendants descended from Israel are Israel. Let me read that again. Now it is not as though the word of God has failed, because not all who are descended from Israel are Israel. I think Paul is leading into the point that, hey, those that are a part of the promise are of Israel. You've been grafted in. In verse 7 it says, neither is it the case that all of Abraham's children are his descendants. On the contrary, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. That is, it is not the children by physical descent who are God's children, but the children of the promise are considered to be the offspring. He's quoting an Old Testament. Paul quotes throughout Romans. He quotes more Old Testament than like any other books in the uh, New Testament. He quotes many, many scriptures of Old Testament. And this, your offspring will be traced through Isaac. He was referencing a scripture from the Old Testament. Abraham was said, he was given a promise that your that your 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 uh, people they'll be as the sands of the uh, the sands you know and, and as the stars in the sky and man that's a lot of people but but God chose to continue the promise through Isaac not physical descendants but spiritual those that carry the promise are considered to be the offspring in verse nine it says for this is the statement of the promise as at this time I will come and Sarah will have a son. And not only that, but Rebekah conceived children through one man, our father Isaac. For, through, for though her sons had not been born yet or done anything good or bad, so that God's purpose according to election might stand, not from works, but from the one who calls, she was told the older will serve the younger. God didn't make a mistake in his calling. He never makes a mistake when he calls you. Don't begin to think, oh, I could never do that. Oh, I could never serve God. I could never do this. I could never do something for God. I'm too messed up. I, I can't do this and I can't do that. If God calls you, he has a purpose in your life for you. In verse 13, it says, as it is written, I have loved Jacob, but I hated Esau. Verse 8, you are of the promise. You're not lineage biologically, but you have inherited this because of the promise. Right there in Acts, what must we do to be saved? Repent and be baptized in Jesus' name, and, the, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For this promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are afar off. God was making a new covenant with his people, and you are his people. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. You are his people. You have to follow the covenant to be involved as his people. So Romans 8 speaks of how we have the firstborn rights because of salvation. 
You're not second in line. You're not number two. You, you are a first generation. You're not too far gone. Verse 12, God has a right to call you. When I look at that scripture, verse number 12, it says, not from works, but from the one who calls, she was told. Jacob was going to get it not because of who he was. Jacob was going to get it not because of everything that he would do or the way he looked or his pedigree or his bank account or the things that he had. But Esau, God, do you believe that God knows your heart? He probably knows your heart better than you know your heart. God knows my heart and I am, I am messed up sometimes. But we are formed in the womb and God knows our hearts. And he knows the ways that that, that, that many times we may be le uh, leaning to go towards. We may be tempted to go towards. He knows the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. So why did he hate Esau? Maybe you read that scripture and you're like, well, that is just terrible. The God of the universe hated Esau. Well, let's think about this for a minute. It wasn't the person that he hated. It was the way that he treated the covenant that he hated. He was the firstborn. He was the one that was going to receive the blessing. He was the one that was going to receive this and, and be the carrier of this covenant that was from Abraham because of his birth order. That was it. So it works. And God was like, no, he's also not going to cherish the covenant. He's going to be willing to sell the covenant. And when he sold the covenant, he sealed the deal that his heart was in that place, that it wasn't really in his heart. How many times do we sell the covenant of God for something in our lives? We've justified, oh, this is right. And God's like, no, you can't do that. I don't want you to go that way anymore. Stop going that way. I love you. I care about you. And we continue to pursue wickedness rather than Jesus. Paul's writing here and he's calling people, trying to, trying so that people would see that God loves them. Well, if God hated Esau, for sure he hates me. No, 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 no. That's not what Paul was saying here. He wasn't saying, oh, if God can hate Esau, then he's going to hate me. That's, that is not what he was saying. He hated the fact that Esau gave up the covenant for a bowl of soup. He hated the fact that Esau would be willing to sell that where his heart was positioned was not in line with God. He didn't value the promise of the covenant. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Here we go, and from Ezekiel to 2 Peter, here's repentance being preached again. There is an opportunity for you. There's a chance for change. God isn't calling you to stay where you're at. It's not God's will for any to be lost. It's God's will for all to be saved. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. He's always provided a way of escape. He always has provided a way of escape for you. You can't tell me that the day, the reason why you're sitting here is because God never provided you an escape. He's, if he hasn't ever, he's providing you an escape right now that he loves you that he cares about you that this is for you that the blessings and the promise that was poured out in acts is for the church today that god loves and cares you have an opportunity to serve as god calls how many times are we questioning of god's call how many times are we worthy of god's Hate. Yet we are given is mercy. We don't deserve mercy. But that's the beauty of mercy. Is it's not something that's owed to you. You're deserving of something else. But God gives mercy. You're not a second place citizen. You're adopted as a firstborn son. 
In verse 14, it says, what should we say then? Is there injustice with God? Absolutely not. I believe that God is a just God. And I know that God knows what he's doing. So here we come. Here's a Greek word time. Injustice. And in other, in other translations, it says unrighteousness. But what is it then? It's spelled A-D-I-K-I-A. A-D-I-K-I-A. And it's pronounced adika. Adikia. That's how it is. <laughs> Been practicing my Greek words. <laughs> adikia. Um, and it means injustice of a judge. Unrighteousness of heart and life and a deed violating the law and justice. So when Paul said, what should we do then? Is there injustice with God? Absolutely not. He was saying, what should we do then? Is God a God that would break his own law? Absolutely not. He is not a God that will break his law. He's not a God that will break his promise. He will keep his promises for you. In verse 15, he says, for he tells Moses, I will show mercy to whom I will show mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Not owed it. I will do it. He knows what he's doing. Verse 16. So then, it does not depend on human will or effort, but on God who shows mercy. For the scripture tells Pharaoh, I raised you up for this reason, so that I may display my power in you, and that my name may be proclaimed in the whole earth. Interesting fact. That is a quote from Exodus chapter 9, verse 16. And we're in Romans chapter 9, verse 17. I just thought that was kind of cool. <laughs> um, so then he has mercy on whom he wants to have mercy, and he hardens whom he wants to harden. So now, I got several arguments there that I feel like I should address. Well, there you go, Zach. I have no chance. Because he won't have compassion on me. Why would he want to have compassion on me? Or maybe you're like, well, he's already hardened my heart. I already have a hard heart. I can't, I can't stand, can't stand people. I'll, you know what? There are days that I can't stand people, okay? Like, I love people, but let's be honest. We are people, and you get sick of people, okay? Like, I want to say everybody loves everybody in this church, but I hope that we all love each other. But maybe there will be days that you're like, I don't really like you, Kevin, okay? <laughs> That's not true. Joe, I can't stand you today. <laughs> Sitting out there early before I get to church. <laughs> oh, man. There's going to be days that you just don't necessarily like a person but we're to love the people we're supposed to love one another be invested with one another and so but we're people we're gonna make mistakes right so god's already hardened my heart here's something that's really good i can do all things with a scripture taken out of context too that's a that's a really good scripture in the bible it's uh zach Chapter 1, verse 1. <laughs> Do all things. The scripture taken out of context. Many people take scripture out of context. Well, God will show mercy on who he's going to show mercy to. Well, I, that is not going to be me. I'm definitely not going to fall into those that he would show mercy to. Oh, he hardened my heart already. Clearly, he doesn't love me. So let's, let's go this. Okay, first argument. You're not shown mercy because of what you do, but because of who he is. Mercy is not granted because of your heritage, your career, your bank account, your service in the church. Mercy is granted because God is God. That's it. And he calls who he calls. And he elects who he elects. And that is it. God is a just God and he loves you. So the second argument. This is a specific time. We're talking about Pharaoh, right? That was a specific time in the Bible. God raised up Pharaoh that he could show his glory to him. And in, in, in Exodus, I think it's chapter 7, it says that Pharaoh's, God hardened Pharaoh's heart. You're like, well, that's not fair. God hardened his heart. So it didn't say that, though, until it was time for the plagues. He didn't harden his heart when he decided to commit genocide on a people he, he, he did not, he didn't, God hadn't hardened his heart 
when he said, hey, let's kill all the firstborn uh, males of the Israelites. His heart was already hard. His heart was in the position he wanted his heart. And then when Moses comes and his, his uh, occult people began to do their magic and things like that, he trusted in the occult more than he trusted God. He was okay with the people doing the magic, but he didn't want to trust the one true God. His heart was in a position that he wanted his heart, and God just allowed his heart to be hardened. It wasn't that God forced him to do it. He was already on the journey doing it, and he was okay with it. God's not going to show mercy in a situation like that. But could he? Yes. Yes, if he would have let his people go on the first plague, God would let his people go. But you know what he did? He went ahead and went through all the plagues of Egypt until he went, and his baby had to die. Like You're like, Zach, God is a terrible God. Oh, all the death and things like that in the Old Testament. Oh, it's terrible. I like, I like Jesus. I like baby Jesus. But the Bible says God doesn't change. So the same God that is the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. Sorry if you don't like the God in the Old Testament. It's, you don't like God today then because it's the same God. I know that's an unpopular opinion. Jesus loves you. Yes, he does. And he is God over the universe, creator of the world. And, and, and he knows the end from the beginning. Just like he knew the end from the beginning with Pharaoh. So if your heart is hard today, it is because you have chosen to go on that path and allow your heart to be hardened. But there is hope for you. There, there's a way of escape for you. God loves you and he cares about you. So verse 19, you will say to me, therefore, why does he still find fault? For who resists his will? On the contrary, who are you, a human being, to talk back to God? Well, what is formed say to the one who formed it? Why'd you make me like this? Unpopular opinion in the Bible. <laughs> but I can be whatever I want to be. I can be whoever I want to be. Why would you say to the one who formed you? Well, you did a bad job. I'm not the way you want me to be. I know that I could have done a better job, God. <laughs> No, that is, Paul's like, stop it. Knock it off. <laughs> Don't talk back to God. If he calls you, he loves you. If he calls you, he cares about you. He knows who you are. He knows your end from your beginning. He knows, he knew you when he formed you in your, in your mother's womb. He knew your heart. He probably knew that one day you'd walk into this place. And the crazy preacher up here will be telling you that God loves you. And that you have another opportunity today. That's the joy. Every morning I wake up, I get a new opportunity in Jesus. You're like, but why do you need a new opportunity? Because I'm messed up. I need Jesus every day. So when God formed you, he knew what he was doing. God did not make a mistake in how he made you. Stop talking back to God. Stop telling him, God, you made a mistake in this calling. I'm preaching to myself right now. I really am. Because I, like, I, I, I struggle. I got a message this morning from Joe. And he, and he used the word pastor in there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, the very first thing is, like, I struggle with that word. Like, God would call me to be a pastor. I'm like, what were you thinking, God? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that was a bad idea. <laughs> and I struggle with it. But I got to be confident in the calling that God has called me to do. Just like when God calls you, he wasn't making a mistake. I promise that. I, and, and if I say that about you, I have to believe it for myself. God wasn't making a mistake when he called me. God loves you. He cares about you. So, verse 21, it says, Or has the potter no right over the clay to make from the same lump one piece of pottery for honor and another for dishonor. And what if God, wanting to display his wrath and to make his power known, endured with much patience objects of wrath prepared for destruction? I like that where it says he endured with much patience objects of wrath prepared for destruction. God had to deal with a lot of patience with me. <laughs> How many of you know that God needs to deal with a lot of patience with you? Thank God he's got patience. <laughs> we were talking. I don't remember who said it to me just recently. I was like, 
Oh, one of the hardest prayers is if you pray like, God, teach me to be patient. <laughs> oh, Lord, let me be patient. That's a tough one. Pray that. See what happens. God will teach you patience. <laughs> I promise you, it's a tough one. God, teach me the patience that you have. Is that really what you want? Like, is that really, really what you want to have the patience of God? <laughs> I struggle with a little bit of patience if I go and stand in line for a while. <laughs> oh, Lord. Verse 23, it says, And what if he did this to make known the riches of his glory on objects of mercy that he prepared beforehand for glory? Verse 24, On us, the ones who... The ones he also called, not only from the Jews, but also from the Gentiles. Verse 24 is beautiful in that it is painting a picture of the opportunity that you and I have to follow him. The, the, the picture of what God can do in you and through you. It's, it's a perfect example that God loves you no matter who you are, where you are, your heritage, your background. God loves you just where you are. Paul's like, hey, stop arguing with God. Like, he created you, and he loves you, and he did not make a mistake. In verse 25, it says, as it is, also says in Hosea, I will call not my people, my people. And she who is unloved, he loved. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever read much of the Old Testament. But when you begin to read the Old Testament, you will see that there was a lot of unloved people. There was a lot of not people in the Old Testament. Like, just look at the, um, the Good Samaritan. You know, the Samaritan people were not really liked by the Jewish people. They were like, the, I don't want to say the redheaded stepchild, but I'm just like, you get what I'm thinking. Like, I was going to say that, but then I said it, and it's not really what I was going to say. But you know what I'm getting at, right? Like, people are like... I don't really like second born. <laughs> there's, there's Esau over there. Like they didn't really like the Samaritans, but here we go. We got the good Samaritan written in the old Testament. Why was that? Because God loved his people and the, not my people became my people. And the one who was unloved, the Gentiles, those, all oh, those reprobate heathens, and all the things that they did over there in Rome and Corinthians and Ephesus and, all those different places, gosh, they were heathens. They've got to be hated of God. Let's read some of Roman culture. You can go back to Romans chapter 1 and you'll see some of Roman culture in there. It's like today's culture. It's like everything God hates right there, like rolled up into one right there. But God's like, I love them. I'm calling them out from that. Verse 26, and it says, and, I, and it will be in the place where they were told, you are not my people. There they will be called sons of the living God. Well, read that one more time. And it will be in the place where they were told, you are not my people. Now, I'm going to share some deeply personal stuff with you. When me and my wife were getting married, I had a minister with the nerve to tell my wife. Not my wife at the time. Oh, if you get married, you're only going to last a year or two. No, we just passed how many years? I think it's 12. I think it's 12 years. <laughs> Not only did you make a mistake on the one to two, but we got 10 more years on that. Like, come on. Somebody didn't know what they were talking about. They were preaching preference over, the, over what God's word was. Me and my wife, we love each other. Do we fight? <laughs> you better believe we make mistakes. But we love each other. Tell me in the place this right here, and it will be in the place where you were told you're not my people. Man, I look back on my past and some of the dumb things that I've done. And the house that I lived in, the drugs that were done, and the alcohol that was drunk, and the stupid things, that, and all I can ever think about sometimes, I wonder what my friends think of me. <laughs> oh, look, there's that. <laughs> I remember when he did this, and I remember when he did that. Like, you can really remember the bad things of a person's life, right? Like, you're like, oh, I remember all the bad. You don't remember any of the good about the person. Oh, he was a fun guy. 
Like, and we just focused on that I was fun, <laughs> that I was kind of nice most. Well, never. Um, <laughs> think about that. Like, people look at your past and be like, <sighs> trying, to, trying to change and make amends for all the things that he did, all the people that he wronged. No, I'm not. I was forgiven of that. But sometimes I get stuck up in my head. Sometimes I get messed up in my life. In verse 27, it says, but Isaiah cries out concerning Israel. Though the number of Israel is like the sand of the sea, only the remnant will be saved. Verse 28, since the Lord will execute his sentence completely and decisively on earth, they have a chance. But only a remnant will be saved because so few will follow the Messiah, Jesus Christ. I don't want to, I want to be part of the remnant. I don't want to be part of the popular crowd. I don't preach to be popular. I don't preach to be uh, profound. I don't preach to be cool. I don't preach to be, uh, I, I, don't, I don't care. Like if this church stays 50 people for the rest of its existence, I will probably be troubled by that because we weren't doing a good job. But it, maybe it's because God came back next month and I'd be okay with that. But I, I don't care if the church ever hits 100. What I care is that people grow in the grace and the knowledge of the word of God. That they begin to develop a relationship and they become disciples. And they go off and start a church somewhere else. You don't got to be right here. I don't care if it's three blocks down the road or if it's in Purim or Park Rapids. or. Oh, but our world needs Jesus more than ever. The final three scriptures bring so much context to all that is written here. Verse 30, it says, what should we say then? Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have obtained righteousness. Namely, the righteousness that comes from faith. But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not achieved the righteousness of the law. Why is that? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were by works. They stumbled over the stumbling stone. That's scripture there. Like, they, they didn't obtain righteousness. They obtained a list of ways to live their life, and they just followed it, and they began to promote their good works and how they did their life. Oh, look at how righteous I am because I did all these things. Like, remember, like, when, when Jesus began to call out the, the people who were, like, looking down at the woman who gave the, the two pennies, but he was like, hey, she gave more than all of you because she gave all that she had, and everybody else was bringing their tithe and their offering to the, to the temple, and, 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 and she gave the two pennies. You know, like, less than two pennies, I think, actually. Like, in our day and time, what it would be worth, like, nothing. You're, like, dropping some, I got the dust on my floor, you know. Like, it ain't worth nothing, but it's all I got. If you ain't got nothing, bring it to God. Bring your nothing to God. Bring your messed up life to God. That's the best exchange that I can tell you about. Like, you, you want to go buy a car? And the used carman sales, salesman comes out. And he's like, oh, this is a good one. And we're like, okay, sounds good. And we take his word for it. And then I get up and tell you that you can change out your junky life and you get something brand new. And we're like, I question that. <laughs> How could God love me? Really? God loves you and cares about you. He loves your neighbor. He, he loves, he, he doesn't necessarily love the sin. Well, he doesn't love the sin. He hates the sin. But he loves the person. You can take your sinful life, your junked up life, and bring it to Calvary and lay it at the feet of Jesus. Turn around and begin a journey pursuing Jesus Christ. Man, that's a pretty good trade. If I tell you a little bit about my life and the things I've done for a little while longer, and I tell you some of the things that I've never told many people at all, you'd be like, Lord, help us, Jesus. Turn off the live stream. Dude's going to probably get arrested. <laughs> I pursue Jesus Christ. I'm not trying to make an amends for my past anymore because I know my past is forgiven. And so the final scripture here, it says, as it is written, look, I am putting a stone in Zion to stumble over. Oh, well, that's me and God. And the rock, and a rock to trip over. And the one who believes on him, what? Hold up. The rock is him? And the one who believes on him will not be put to shame. Man, that's pretty good. Wonder who that is. 
wondered who the rock could be. Upon this rock, I will build my church. It wasn't talking about Peter. <laughs> Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. That's not, that's not, he wasn't talking about Peter. He was talking about the truth of who Jesus Christ was. Upon this rock, he was the rock. Zion is a reference to Jerusalem where the temple was built. The place that people were told like you and I, hey, you can't enter here. The place like the Ethiopian eunuch who wouldn't have been able to worship God like everyone else, but still continued to go and do what he could do. The message was brought to him specifically that God can love you no matter what you've done, no matter where your life is. God loves you. What was the stone? It was Jesus Christ. And they got all tripped up because of Jesus Christ. He came and he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And they're like, mm, no, that's not okay. I am the bread of life. No, that's not okay. I, I, there's only one way to the Father, and it's through me. And then, oh, no, that ain't, that ain't right. They got all tripped up because of Jesus and couldn't follow the Messiah that their heritage and lineage birthed. They missed it. All the prophecy that was ever written, all they got focused on was all the things that they needed to do. Washing your hands before you eat. All those things, and they missed their Messiah. As I finish this year, you get tripped up because of Jesus? That he can love you in your messed up life? That kind of gets messed up sometimes. I just like, God, how could you accept me? How could you love me? It's not that he accepts me the way that I am, but he accepts me where I'm at. And he begins the transformation in my life. That's when I submit to God's plan. And what he wants to do, he begins to change me. Christ says, are you questioning God today? Maybe you are. Like, God, why would I be there? God, my heart's hardened already. You already hardened my heart. God, you could never show mercy to me. Simple as I can say, taste and see. Just try it for a minute. Living a life that gives God glory. Simple as I can say, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you don't like living for God, you can always go back. You can always turn back around and go back to your life the way you live. If I didn't love living for God, I absolutely would turn around and go back to the life that I was living. There's someone in this town that'll sell me some drugs. There's a bar that'll sell me some alcohol. I know that I can get what I need wherever I am. But I don't have a desire to go back to the man that I was. I want to serve God with everything that's in me. And it echoes the very first scripture. The very first few scriptures, verses 1 through 5. But I have a great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart. Not for what I have been. Not for who I was. Paul wasn't reflecting on his past as a one that killed Christians in this passage. But rather his anguish and sorrow came from the fact that his own people we're dying and going to hell. Our neighbors, our friends, our family. Dying and going to hell. We must speak the name of Jesus. We must speak the name of the one they called us to. We need to be tripped up in our lives so that we recognize who Jesus is. God tripped me up. God messed me up. God changed my life so that I follow you. Get my attention, whatever you need to do. God, get my attention so that I can follow you. I'm tell you this. This message is so far from what I have written in my notes. So far that I have to say, God is reaching for someone. You may, you, you may be sitting here and be like, well, you know what? I've, I've already done all this. I've already done all that. But maybe God is reaching for you again. Or maybe it's someone online or something for whatever reason. God changed the notes that I had. 
the words that I was going to say. Yes, some of them are the same. But what God is trying to do in someone's life today, to let them know that he loves them and it doesn't matter where you've been, that there are people that are grieved in their spirit for you, that people are in anguish because they love you and they care about you and they, they want to see you follow Jesus. That's a powerful thing. God, I pray that you would move in this place right now. God, that you would touch us. God, I pray that you would begin to move in this place right now. God, if you're in need of the touch of Jesus today, if you're looking for something new and you're sick and tired of the place where you've always been, I challenge you to move from where you are. Let your movement from your seat to the front be a, a signifying that, God, I'm making a step, God. That I believe you're calling. That I believe your word, God. That I'm going to refresh, God. I need a renewing of your spirit in my life. God, I pray you would move, Jesus, right now. That you would touch. God, that your spirit is calling this place today. If you need prayer, I challenge you to walk from your seat to this front. And let's pray together.
just want to speak the name of Jesus. Come on, in the darkness of the night, in the pit of despair, I'm going to speak the name of Jesus. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus over this church. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus over your neighborhoods. I'm going to speak the name of Jesus over Detroit Lakes, over Becker County, over the surrounding counties. I'm going to speak Jesus over people's lives because Jesus is the one that changes everything. The one thing that changes is Jesus. So it don't matter your past. There's Jesus and he's the way of escape for every one of us. We need more people that will speak Jesus in this world today. I can't speak the, I can't speak preference. I've got to speak Jesus. I can't speak my desire. I have to speak Jesus. I can't speak my opinion. I've got to speak Jesus. Jesus is the answer for the world today. God, we need you. God, we need your quick work. We need you. Oh, Jesus. God, I thank you for meeting us here today. God, I thank you for this presence that we feel in here today, God. God, I pray that you would go with us, God, that you would take us to a new place in you. In Jesus' name, amen. As you greet people, remind each other that next, next week, church is at 1.30.